Welcome to Midday Magazine for December 21st. I'm Jordan Lewis. Petersburg's high school wrestling team excelled at the state competition this year with individual and team wins in Anchorage. The Vikings team took fourth place overall, coming in first place in in Division II. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra reports. Senior Kyle Biggers won the state championship this year in the 215-pound weight class. He won all four of his matches and earned 26 points. Biggers says he was in a clear headspace the day of the tournament. I was just really calm the whole day, just relaxed, you know, give myself a break. And I only really focused on what I was going to do when the time came. And that really helped keep me calm, less stressful. In the long run, I think that's like one of the biggest uh, influences on why I won. This kind of calm focus is something that head coach James Valentine says he tries to cultivate in his wrestlers. The steps to get your kid focused. You are focused on your one match. That's the goal. If you can, as a wrestler, tune out all the parents that are screaming at you, all the crowd that's screaming at you, and hone in just us coaches, the referee, and the opponent that you are wrestling. Valentine noticed that Biggers seemed very centered during the state competition. That's not an easy feat because there was such a huge crowd. Valentine says there were eight mats with wrestlers competing, much more than the two mats they usually see at tournaments. So when you have eight eight mats all laid out, you have 400 kids, all their friends, family, and all the spectators, so you have a 1,000 people watching you, I mean, the pressure is on. And the atmosphere is electric. This video of Didi Toyomura wrestling in one of her matches helped capture the moment. Biggers relied on tried and true wrestling techniques to win his matches. He's six foot four and usually wrestles guys quite a bit shorter than him. This gives him an advantage for moves like an arm drag. I try to call it an arm drag, grab, grab his arm with my hand that pull him into me and then since my arm is so long I can reach around and grab his leg and pick him up while he, while he, can't, while he can't do anything because I still have his arm Biggers says his emotions were mixed in his last match the match that won him the state championship it felt great basically I mean it's kind of hard to put into words but felt relieved kind of sad at the same time you know really bittersweet like I won my last match it's a great way to go but at the same time that was it I'm done Petersburg sent nine wrestlers to state this year, with five of them placing. That means those wrestlers were one of the top six in their weight class. Senior Wyatt Litster placed third. Senior Didi Toyomura took fourth. Junior Jonas Anderson took fourth. And sophomore Caden Duke placed fifth. Harley Dunbar, Marcus Anderson, Angus Olson, and Lakel Dinehart all competed but did not place. But Valentine says just making it to state is a huge honor. Only 16 wrestlers in each weight class qualify for state each year. They all had wins and they all had losses. And again, they're the top 16 kids in the state, which is, again, huge. And none of my kids ever give up. The Vikings were the top school of their size, Division Two, And it wasn't just Petersburg celebrating the championship. Valentine says that all the Southeast teams are part of one big tribe. Southeast in general is like a very um, tight-knit community, so Wrangell, Sitka, Huna, Ketchikan, Haynes. 
so we always go southeast first all so when any of uh southeast wrestlers win we always celebrate as a like as a whole as a community so southeast alaska can celebrate one more state champion senior kyle biggers is the first boys state champion the school has seen in 12 years reporting in petersburg i'm rachel cassandra after some record-breaking cold temperatures in southeast Alaska, snow is in the forecast for later this week, but it won't last long. As temperatures continue to climb, much of the panhandle is in for a wet Christmas. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. It's been a cold start to the week here in southeast Alaska. Low temperatures in the teens and single digits broke daily records across the panhandle, from Haines to Sitka to Ketchikan, Metlakatla, and Prince of Wales Island. But the cold is expected to let up soon, says lead meteorologist Brian Besnick with the National Weather Service in Juneau. The high pressure on the Yukon, which has been bringing in all the cold air, uh, is sort of retreating right now, and we have a weather front that it will be sweeping in uh, out of the southwest. Uh, for out of the Pacific, and that will be moving in Wednesday night, Thursday, uh, into Friday uh, across the Panhandle. That front is expected to bring some heavy snow to the southern Panhandle. Six to eight inches are expected in Ketchikan starting Thursday afternoon. The central and northern Panhandle are expected to see snow Friday into Saturday. But if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, you might be out of luck. Biznick says a wet Christmas is more likely as snow turns to rain in the southern Panhandle on Saturday. Got the temperatures warming up probably into the uh, upper 30s to low 40s uh, by the time you get to Christmas Day. So we might try and melt off all your new beautiful snow uh, before then, but uh, we'll probably have uh, precipitation around during Christmas Day. He says forecasters are expecting snow to turn to rain a little later over the central panhandle, and northern panhandle communities might see continued snowfall, even with rising temperatures. Cold temperatures this week broke daily records, but Besnick says they're nowhere close to breaking all-time record lows. Temperatures plunged to 5 degrees in Ketchikan on Monday, but the community's all-time low of minus 7 degrees was set back in January of 1916, according to the Weather Service. Icy roads and freezing pipes have challenged some communities. The city of Saxman, south of downtown Ketchikan, shut down portions of its water system on Monday as crews chased down leaks. And Matlakatla's tribal government asked residents to conserve power as the cold pushed the community's power grid to its limits. Snowy weather always has the potential to disrupt flights, but Juneau International Airport manager Patty Watto says her crews are ready. We're ramped up for winter season as far as what we do on the runway and what the airlines do for coming in and out and you know, just prepared in case there are some delayed flights or some cancellations. But at this point, we're just in operational mode for winter. She says travelers arriving by car shouldn't leave some extra time to find a place to park. She says the airport's lots are looking rather full. Officials at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport said expected snowy and cold conditions in Seattle caused some airlines to preemptively cancel flights on Tuesday. A flight tracking site FlightAware showed hundreds of cancellations and delays at SeaTac on Tuesday, which could complicate Christmas travel to and from southeast Alaska and the lower 48. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Alaskans who depend on the state's public assistance program for food say they've been waiting for their benefits for months. And as Claire Strevel reports for KTLO, the state isn't offering an explanation. Nikita Chase is a single mom with two kids at home. She says she hasn't gotten her food stamps since October. You're supposed to get it on the 1st, but you're not getting anything. And there's no communication. 
She's one of an unknown number of Alaskans waiting on food assistance from the state. They're trying to figure out why a system meant to support them isn't working. So everybody's just sitting waiting up in the air. And when you call, you get no answers. Food stamps are also known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. The state made it easier to get them during the pandemic. More than 80,000 Alaskans used the program last year. But this fall, they were asked to refile their paperwork. Chase says she did that in October and hasn't gotten a response. The first time she reached out to the Division of Public Assistance for help, she said she was the 111th caller. She never got a call back. The second time, she waited on hold. Four and a half hours on hold just to talk to somebody who then informed me that there were 18,000 plus cases that needed to be worked. Chase says she can't pay her electric bill this month because she chose to spend the money on food for her family. That this is happening to a lot of people and they're not getting these SNAP benefits, so they're going to have to have, make a choice between paying their bills or feeding their families. She says this comes right before a cold snap in the region and the holidays. We won't be having a big Christmas dinner and um, things are a lot tighter. I'm making things stretch more than I had to before um, because I'm concerned about when I will get food stamps or food benefits. I don't know when that's going to happen. Chase lives in Tenakee Springs, a remote town in southeast Alaska, where she, like a lot of rural Alaskans, is more likely to pay higher food prices and less likely to have access to food pantries and other resources like urban centers do. Yeah, like they should tell the glory hall because, you know, what if we need to like, you know, start figuring out how to make lots more meals. Luke Froman runs Juno's homeless center, the glory hall. He said he hasn't heard anything from the state either. I have heard from a number of people that their SNAP benefits have not gone through and they've applied like, you know, five, eight, 12 weeks ago. He said clients have heard they could wait three or four months for the state to send their food stamps. Yeah, like I wish they would. They need to come out with a statement because there's like there's definitely a buzz. People have figured out that it's not operating as like, you know, it's supposed to be. Ernie Hard helps people navigate social services for Bartlett Regional Hospital in Juneau. And he's hearing from clients who aren't getting their food stamps either. He and his colleagues have tried to call public assistance, but they had to wait like Nikita Chase did. I've seen it uh, with my coworker. He'll he'll get put on hold and let you know that you're number, you know, 236, you know, or you got three-hour wait line. Hart said he works with employees at the Division of Public Assistance a lot, and he's sympathetic because he thinks the department is understaffed. People there are, you know, super nice and and helpful, but, uh, you know, they're they're swamped, which is, is tough for everybody, tough for them, and it's tough for the people that need the service. The state's Division of Public Assistance has not responded to KTOO's request for comment over the course of the last week. When KTOO visited the division's offices, Director Shonda O'Brien declined an interview. She said the department was still working to decide what information to share with the public. The department has not said how many people are waiting for their food stamps, how much longer the estimated wait time is, or what is causing the delay. It has not said whether SNAP recipients will receive the money for the months they had to wait. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strimple. Today is the winter solstice for some in, for some in Juneau. It's an opportunity to work toward healing from colonialism. Hatuch Lichish Coalition is a violence prevention organization in Juneau. They're organizing their first winter solstice celebration, says Jamian Suatin Hasselquist. 
it's like a way to decolonize the holiday a little bit and get into a spirituality and set intention and come together in community to do some traditional base healing projects. Hasselkwi says that for indigenous people, forced conversion to Christianity during the boarding school era has caused continued harm. A holiday that is linked to that creates not a holiday that is not linked to that creates space for healing. So when we're only focusing on one, that's really <clears throat> has been the greatest harm, the colonial harm around the world. Organizer Ati Nusia says that the solstice is a time to be intentional about the coming year. Um, we're asking what those seasonal shifts have, have to teach us about how to live values-aligned lives, um, where we're in reciprocal and healthy relationship with ourselves, uh, with the land, um, and really working with the seasons in which we find ourselves. Juno will see six hours and 23 minutes of sunlight today. On Thursday, Juno will gain four more seconds of daylight and more every day until June. Four organizers will receive funding for new housing projects through Juno's Affordable Housing Fund. The Juno Assembly approved $2 million in grants and loans from the funds this week. AWARE is a nonprofit that supports victims of domestic and sexual violence. They'll receive a $200,000 grant to develop a s- seven affordable studios in Douglas. Executive Director Mandy O'Neill Cole says she's looking forward to offering housing there. I think it's a really good message um, to survivors, to people who uh, are making kind of the low end of the area median income to say you get to live in cool neighborhoods and you get to have, um, you know, the the same kind of beautiful view and (laughs) like access to transportation that that other people have as well. Cole says the units will help give survivors more privacy and independence than shelters or tr- transitional housing. The goal is to complete construction by summer. Other recipients include St. Vincent de Paul, which will put the funds towards maintenance at its Teal Street shelter in the Mendenhall Valley. The Clinkett Haida Re- Regional Housing Authority also received a grant to build 10 affordable two to four bedroom homes in North Douglas. The fourth recipient will receive a loan instead of a grant. Rooftop properties will borrow $1.2 million to build 24 mixed-income units. 19 units will be market rate, while the other five will be slightly less expensive. Joseph Myers is the city's housing and land use specialist. He says it's important for the city to try and meet all housing needs. In Juneau, he says that includes market rate options. Obviously, there is a need in the community for market rate housing at this time. So, you know, it was just kind of the right mixture of affordable and market rate, kind of takes all, all types of housing to make a community. The units are part of the Ridgeview Subdivision, a 444-unit project rooftop hopes to build near Glacier Gardens. The Juno Planning Commission approved the first 96 units of the project this week. For KFSK, I'm Jordan Lewis.